Alright, praise the Lord. How's everyone feeling? Alright, come on, somebody. Kiana feeling good. She got both hands raised up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Alright, so um, I just preached a message uh, called Destined for Glory at, over at uh, Hillside. And um, it, was a, it was a good message. It's a powerful message. Uh, definitely feel the anointing was uh, on that message. There was some fresh revelation that came forth. Uh, I just felt the Holy Spirit prompting me, though, to uh, preach a different message uh, for you guys here at Itaewon. So um, for, uh, especially for New Field leaders, I want to encourage you guys to go uh, take a listen at the Destined for Glory message. But today I'm going to preach a message uh, for Itaewon uh, called The Goodness of the Lord. Mark, who's been going back to our old podcast, may have heard this message. Uh, it's from way back, from October 2008. But uh, it's a very foundational message uh, for our faith. And so, you know, a lot of things that we built here at New Philly, uh, and that God is really just uh, building up here, has been the result of, uh, of this foundation being laid. Uh, and the title of the message is simply called The Goodness of the Lord. If you're ready, turn with me to Psalm 27. And we'll dig into this sermon for today. Psalm 27. Thank you. All right. Um, I would read the whole passage, whole chapter, but we're going to just pick it up from um, verse 7 to the end of the passage, to the end of the chapter. All right, let's do, um, we'll have the brothers read and then the sisters read. All right, all right, here we go. The brothers, one, two, three, go. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Ladies. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Everyone together. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Amen. Amen. So today I'm going to preach on, I just want to talk about the goodness of the Lord. Traditionally, if you've ever grown up in church, there's a common uh that preachers like to have with their audience. They say God is good and the audience says? And then the preacher says all the time? Right, it's just like autopilot. And we don't even think about it. But uh, it's a good thing, but not many messages have been preached on the goodness of the Lord. What does it really mean for God to be good all the time? And all the time for Him to be good. So today I'm going to preach about the goodness of of the Lord. The Bible says in Genesis that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And then he looked upon that which he created and he said, 
this is good. Now, God, God, He's all about self-affirmation. All right, all right. He, He doesn't, He doesn't mind affirming Himself, because when He see, when, he, when everything He created, He said it is good. Why? Because it was good. Because everything that God creates, He always creates good. Have you ever bitten into a juicy, ripe Filipino mango in the Philippines? I grew up with South American mangoes, right? Buy them in the supermarket. They're always like tarty and tangy, right? You ever go to the Philippines and get a nice yellow covered, or the outside is nice and yellow, nice and soft. You take a knife and you cut around the pit and you take a spoon and you take half the mango and then you just dig into it with a spoon and you start eating away. Mm-mm, good. Man can never make candy that comes as close as good to a mango can God created that it's nutritious too by the way man can create good things that taste good you know but, but the candy is bad for you but everything God creates man it's good you ever uh, climb a beautiful mountain or uh, have you ever how many of you guys have visited the Grand Canyon right that's a good number of you right I've been to the Grand Canyon and it just takes your breath away just how grand it is have you ever if you've never been I encourage you to go I've also been up to the Mount Bektu, Bektu San here in, uh, over in North Korea. All right, you go up to that thing, and there's this huge lake on the top of the mountain. And that's what it's famous for. It's just beautiful. It's just amazing. And it would take man millions and millions and millions of years to build anything close to that. And even if they tried over millions and millions of years, it wouldn't even come close to the majesty of the Grand Canyon. The majesty of a Mount Bektu. Or have you ever looked at a, a field of flowers? And you just think, man, it's so beautiful. Right? And, and, and uh, there's butterflies flying around. And you just think, man, everything God creates is just really good. Right? And creation, it reflects the goodness of God. If the world was truly uh, evolved from random explosions and evolution, then we ought to see some random combinations of colors on birds and flowers, right? But you won't find a single one. You know, um, my wife and I, we have the Planet Earth uh, Blu-ray DVD set, right? Blu-ray set, the disc set. And if you ever get Planet Earth, it's this amazing documentary series they go to Africa, they go to Antarctica, and they just show this in 1080p, right? Full HD resolution. You get to see, like, penguins doing their thing. You get to see, like, hippos and elephants and these amazing scenes of nature that we normally don't get to see when we're living in Seoul, right? And uh, not once have I seen something on that series where I said, wait a minute, looks like God got lazy with that animal. Right? No, everything that God has created, right? When's the last time you saw a flower with clashing colors? Yet we, it happens to men all the time. Whenever we dress ourselves, you know, it happens to me. Every morning, I usually put on my tie and I have to wear about two or three different ties because I have to always ask Aaron, Hun, does this match? Right? Because for us, when we create things and we try to make art and we try to make something beautiful, make something good, uh, there might be clashing colors, but there's nothing like that 
in all creation because everything that God creates is so good. God created the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything in them. Everything God creates is good. Nehemiah 9.6 says, You alone are the Lord. You have made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their story host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You gave life to everything. You know, when I was in Phuket a few months ago for vacation, and I got to uh, snorkel around Fifi Islands, man, it's just amazing what's in under the under the water. This is amazing what kind of life exists down there. And I wasn't even going that deep. Right? There's just so many amazing, beautiful fish. I saw all the fish from Finding Nemo. They were all there. <laughs> there there's amazing, like in the rocks, there were like weird creatures. And I thought it was a rock, and it was like a living thing. It was just, I don't know, beautiful, beautiful. Right? Um, and the Bible tells us that God alone made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. He didn't have to counsel somebody before making it. He didn't have to go up to be like, like he didn't have to go up to Zeus and be like, "Hey Zeus, if Zeus was real, hey Zeus, what do you think? You know, why don't you take care of the land animals and Venus? You take care of the birds. You know, no, God didn't take counsel to nobody. He just created it all alone, and for everything He created, He said, "It is good." You know why? Because the Lord is good. That's why everything He created is good. Not only is, are the things that God does and things He creates good, but the Bible tells us that simply He is good. His very character is good. Psalm 135 verse 3 says, Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. The Lord is good. You know, sometimes we got to give praise and thanks to God. Not for what He does, but simply for who He is. Even if you don't have a particular reason, you don't have a particular breakthrough or answer prayer, we need to learn how to give thanks and praise God simply for He is good. And the Psalms reflect this. It says in Psalm 106 verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. And then it says in Psalm 107 verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. And then in Psalm 118, verse 1, same thing. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Psalm 118, verse 29. Psalm 136, verse 1. In fact, this verse appears verbatim over and over and over again through the Psalms. And what the Bible is saying is, whether you've seen breakthrough or answer prayers or not, or whether you feel like God has turned His cell phone off, and you're just like praying, but you just feel like you're hitting, you're hitting walls and ceilings, even in those places you got to just give thanks simply because you trust that he is good so the bible is commanding us give thanks to the lord for he is good it takes faith to do that you know Uh, anybody can give thanks when they get something from him you know if i gave you something today if i went up to kelly and i was like kelly sorry i didn't get you nothing for christmas you know, here, here you go. Here's a Christmas gift. Right? And let's say this was like a Burberry gift certificate. I don't know. For $2,000 or something. Right? I mean, right? I mean, anybody would just say thanks. It's easy to say thanks when you get something. 
But it takes faith to give thanks where there's really nothing much going on. Or you've been asking and pressing in, but you're not seeing it according to the timing that you think is right. And you just feel like you're in this waiting mode. Right? That's why it's very important for us to express our thanks and give thanks to God. Uh, give, uh, express our faith and give thanks to God anyway. The Bible says, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It takes faith for us to give thanks simply for who He is. Simply for His goodness. So I want you to tell your neighbor right now. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Now, uh, when something's good happening, it's easy to give thanks to the Lord. When there's nothing happening, it takes faith to give thanks to the Lord and, and say, you know, thank you, Lord. Yeah, I still believe you're good. But it's really, really hard to give thanks to the Lord for He is good when you're going through something difficult. Isn't that really hard? In Psalm 27, verse 13, the passage you read earlier, it addresses this. Okay, Psalm 27, verse 13. Uh, verse 11 and 12, it talks about David's enemies, his adversaries are rising up against him. And, and David's probably crying out to the Lord for breakthrough. Lord, come to my aid. Lord, be my victory. Lord, 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 Lord. But it hasn't ha nothing's happened yet. But David goes on and says in verse 13, My enemies are rising up against me. I haven't seen my breakthrough. But verse 13, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In the face of the difficulties and dangers, David was, says, David was saying, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So no matter what adversity you're going through, you just got to say, I don't know why I'm going through this right now, but I know my God is a good God. And I am still confident of this. I'm going to give praise to Him for I will see the goodness of the Lord. Not when I get to heaven, because that's how some people read this. It's a lot of evangelicals who read this. Us evangelicals, we love to put a twist on the Word of God sometimes. And we, we, we will look at this and say, yeah, I believe, I also believe that I, should, I will look on the goodness of the Lord when I get to heaven, when Jesus returns. When we're with Him, seated in glorious heavenly places, we'll see His goodness for sure. But David doesn't say that. He says, I will see, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord when? In the land of the living. Now last time I checked, in the land of the living sounds like the here and now. Is he talking about heaven? Like heaven like later on? Or is he talking about now? He's saying, no, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Say, in the land of the living. And when we get to heaven, there will be great rewards. There will be just amazing good things. But the Word of God is also telling us that you will see the goodness of the Lord right now on the earth. Mm, I want you to turn to Psalm, one, Psalm 31, verse 19. Psalm 31, verse 19. <clears throat> Alright, check this out. 
19. Oh, how abundant is your goodness. And the NIV says, how great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. Okay. Uh, now, the ASV doesn't seem to flow as well. I'll read the NIV. Right. Psalm 31 verse 19 says, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. The Bible says, how abundant, how great is your goodness. That you bestow, when we get to heaven? No, it says, which you bestow in the sight of men. That's talking about life on earth. That's talking about there is a basic expectation that the Word of God wants you to have. And that expectation is for you to believe that you will see the goodness of the Lord. You know, so many of us, we, we, we miss this. And when bad things happen, we come up with all kinds of creative theologies to have peace in our soul. What we, what we really need to do is we need to get to the Word of God and let the Word of God bring us into a proper alignment. Bring us into the proper perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you a question. Do you want to see the goodness of the Lord? Do you want to see God bestow His goodness on you? I mean, there, there might be some people that don't. If you really want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living and you want Him to bestow His goodness on you in the sight of men, right? Then never let Satan shake you from your confidence in God's goodness. Don't let His lies, His accusations, His attacks make you doubt His goodness. Never stop praising. Never stop giving thanks. Never stop lifting your hands to heaven and giving Him glory. You know, sometimes, sometimes Satan will attack. He'll attack your finances. He'll attack your relationships. He'll attack even your health. He'll attack you. Right? And when he attacks you, what he's looking for is for you to come in agreement with what he's trying to say to you. And he's trying to say to you, God is not good. If God is good, then why are you going through this? If God is good, how come you've prayed 40 times for this thing and it hasn't changed? And all Satan is doing is waiting for you to come in agreement with that doubt. And the moment you come in agreement with that lie is the moment you empower Satan to do more damage to your life. A lot of people don't realize this. Satan attacks and then he says, Look what God's doing to your finances. Yeah, and if you're really smart, you'd be like, that ain't God. Satan, that's you. No one before the guest me shall prosper. I'm going to walk right through this. And I'm going to come out even more prosperous on the other end. You can't stop this. You can't stop what the Lord is doing in my life. i got a purpose on my life. Right? But a lot of people don't respond that way. They go, oh no. How am I going to pay my bills? Where, where am I going to find my next job? What's going to happen with my visa situation? What's going to happen to my relationships? Right? And they just, and they just start to like, 
first, some of them blame themselves. Oh, it's all my fault. I'm so stupid. I shouldn't have done that. I should have made that investment. I shouldn't have uh, spent my money that way. You know, sometimes it might be connected a little bit, but it's not really your fault. It's still Satan's fault. You know? <laughs> but you might just take in all the blame. Or some people, instead of blaming themselves, they blame God. They say, God, how can you do this to me? You prophesied this over my life. You promised me this. How could you do this to me? And they start to blame and accuse God. And, and God is like, huh? That wasn't me, son. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to break through with your name on it, noble. Break through. It's got your name on it. Just pray it. Call it. Give, give me thanks. Affirm my goodness and let me release it in your life. Don't come in agreement with what Satan is whispering in your ears. Because you're just going to empower him to do more damage to your life. But a lot of people, they get shaken. That's one of Satan's very basic strategies he loves to use again and again and again. He loves to shake you from the confidence you have in God's goodness. That's probably why pastors, for whatever reason, I don't know when they decided to have a council and decide, let's all say God is good and have the people respond all the time. And then we'll say all the time and they will respond, God is good. I don't know where they had a meeting and came up with that. But man, it has spread across all the churches, regardless of denomination. And I think it's a good thing. But we need to really believe it. God is good? I mean, all the time. I mean, you got to really believe that. God is good when I'm, my finances are doing well. God is good when it looks like I'm going to go broke. God is good when I lose my job. God is good when I get unfairly slandered by my co-workers or, or my, my boss and my company, my hagwon, is un, 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 unjustly withholding my paycheck. Amen. God is still good. He will vindicate me. I'm not going to take matters into my own hands and try to sabotage the hagwon somehow and get back at the boss and slander them, make sure that all the students that come out, I just like plant all kinds of evil thoughts in their th- heads so that they never uh, enroll in the school hagwon again. I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. I believe in God's goodness. And I'm going to let Him vindicate me. So important, so important. Uh, I love this passage, uh, Psalm 84, verse 11. It's a very, very uh, key theme verse that the Lord has uh, burned onto my heart. And it says, For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing will He withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Can I say that again? Psalm 84, 11. The Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing will He withhold from those whose walk is blameless. If you're walking before God, we're not talking about a perfect spiritual walk. We're just talking about having a blameless heart before Him. Meaning that it doesn't mean that you're 100% free of mistakes or, or weaknesses or stumblings. It just simply means where is the position of your heart? 
If your heart is to live pure, holy, and honor Him with all your heart and to live for His purposes, if you're living in that place, that blameless place, the Bible says, no good thing will He withhold from you. Whether that comes in the form of financial provisions, whether it comes in the form of spiritual gifts, whether it comes in the form of marriage. (gasps) I need to be a good Christian or else God is not going to get me married. And that's such a, like a distorted view of God's character. God's not like got a checklist up in heaven and saying, all right, Jamie, let's see if you're going to get married or not. Let's see. All right, week number 456. What are you doing, Jamie? Don't do that. All right, that's F for today. Oh, you better watch out. You get enough of these Fs. You ain't getting married, girl. All right, and Jamie's like, I'm sorry, Lord. I confess I did wrong. I'm sorry, Lord. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you. I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. Right? She's doing that. And God's like, that don't count. I don't care about that. You better get your life straight. You better do everything perfect. You better do everything righteous. Right? God's not like that. God is like, I'm so good. I'm God. I'm so good. And I love to be good to my people. I love to be good to my children like a father is good to his child. All you got to do is ask. I'll give. Sometimes you don't even ask and I'll still give. Ah, no good thing do I want to withhold from you. Just walk before me with a blameless heart. And I will show you my goodness. You know, a lot of um, people have been planted with the seed of fear. Satan has lied to uh, it comes through a lot of religious preaching. Uh, but there's a, there's a seed of fear that's been planted in Christian, a lot of churches, a lot of Christians' hearts. And that is the fear that if you really trust God with your whole life, you get martyred. Like Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot flew in to reach out to these natives. Uh, what were they called? I forget which... Um, Hawka or some one of one of the one of the tribes down down I think it was in South America. Jim Elliott goes in with his friends, and there's this um, movie called uh, Something of the Spear, End of the Spear. It's a dramatic movie. If you want to, uh, movie's kind of dramatic. It's dr- they show the scene where, uh, by the way, he gets killed, and uh, not to ruin the movie, it's his life story. All right, he gets killed. Uh, Jim Elliott gets killed. Him and his friends, they're like, and, and then the people come out and they have all these spears, and they're like, what? And and, and then uh, they're like, no, we love you. Jesus gospel. Jesus gospel. And the guy's like, uh, uh. Ah! And then they, they just get like stabbed to death. And then the preachers go, yeah. If you surrender your life to Jesus, this may happen to you. You know, I ain't surrendered my life to Jesus. <laughs> now, Here's the thing about martyrdom. Let me just preach on martyrdom. Martyrdom is where you get killed for your faith. Here's the thing about martyrdom. Martyrdom is full of honor. You can't volunteer for martyrdom. Did you know that? Did you know that? I mean, you can get martyred for your own foolishness and call it martyrdom. All right, But to be truly martyred and be recognized as a martyr in heaven, you can't volunteer for that. Did you know that? 
You're chosen for it. And the Bible actually says in the book of Revelation, there's a fixed number of martyrs. It's like a fixed number. Like, I don't know, like 794,362. All right, I don't know. It's like a fixed number of martyrs. And by the way, uh, let's say even if it's in the millions, right? And there, there have been a lot of Christians martyred, especially in the last hundred years. And they say, they estimate that it's more Christians have died in the last hundred years than all of history combined since the time of Christ. And it's true. There's a lot of martyrs in Vietnam, in Indonesia, in uh, the Middle East. There's a lot of martyrs. But even if you took all of them together, right, and you counted them, in, in proportion mathematically to the rest of the body of Christ, it's not that big of a number. Can you say amen? All right. So even out of here, okay, there might be like, I don't know, like two people that are chosen to be martyred. Like Ryan Duker or something. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, bro. I don't want to scare you. Uh, there we go. See, let me, let me pull that fear out. All right. I'm just kidding. No, not you. Not you. But yeah, mathematically, that's like, kind of like. And so martyrdom is actually reserved. It's an honor reserved for those whom God has chosen. And usually when God gets you martyred, he usually prepares you for it in some way or form or another. And then he's going to provide for the families of those who got martyred. Or he makes sure that you don't get married and so that it's not painful for the rest of your family. Like Paul, the Apostle Paul. And, you know, the, some of the apostles, they, they, uh, well, his, some historians say all the apostles got martyred, right? The original 11 that remained after Judas, right? They all got martyred. But, you know, we actually don't have, like, historical accounts of how they all got martyred and what age at which they got martyred. But one thing we do know, even if you read the book of Acts, Peter was leading and giving leadership to the church for a while in Jerusalem to the Jewish Christians. He was giving a lot of leadership. So we don't actually know what age he, he died. right? So a lot of us, when we think martyrdom, we think like age 29, right before you hit 30, and God wants me martyred. But do you know what age that Apostle Paul got martyred? I'm asking you all a question. I actually don't know. <laughs> Okay, it's like, it's like he was in his 70s. Like he was really, really old. He got really old. Uh, John, Apostle John, or, or we're not sure if it was the Apostle John wrote Revelation. A lot of people think it's Apostle John that wrote Revelation. But uh, John was like exiled to Patmos. And you're like, man, I don't want to have that. But John was like mad old too. He was mad old when he wrote that. Which means they had a long life before they got personally personally that's how I would like to go out if Jesus ain't returning in my 50s, 60s and 70s and I'm like 70 years old right I want to be preaching one day and then I don't want to like like be like like get the flu one winter and like, <coughs> the cause of Christ will triumph <coughs> Pastor Christian, oh no! Well, it's okay. He was 76. He had the flu. Now, I don't want to go out like that. If I, if, I, if I had the honor, if God has chosen me for the honor, I wouldn't mind going out as a martyr. But not every martyr is what I'm trying to say. It dies at 29. You know what I'm saying? God loves to use your whole life and then give you the honor. He doesn't do that for everybody. But what we have in our conception is everybody gets that kind of martyrdom. It's not true. There's a lot of people that do get the long life and then the honor of going out like that. 
what I want to establish in your hearts today is that God is good. You don't have to fear that you're going to die a martyr's death. In fact, those who are chosen to have a martyr's death, God usually prepares them somehow, or He gives them a really weird personality where they're like, yeah. For most people, they're not ready for stuff like You just tell God, God, I'm scared to die like that for you, but I will live all, I will live for you. I will live for you. And I will, I will die for you if, you if you call me to. But Lord, I'm not scared of that. I'm not scared of a random martyrdom because that's not how you work. God is a God of immense goodness is what I'm trying to establish in your hearts today. Psalm, 1, Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. What is that? That is an invitation. There's an invitation there. There's a Facebook invite. Hey, come and like this. Click like on this verse. Taste and see. God is like, I'm inviting you to taste and see how good I am. You ever go to E-Mart? Or Costco? Right? And there's like these ajumas and they're making mandu. And they're making like takarbi and all these like little treats, you know? And they're, they're like, ah, yeah, takarbi, takarbi. And you just go over and then, you know, you just speak some takarbi. And then you go to the mandu station, you eat some mandu. And then you go over here, you know, you get all these treats. Why? Because they're, they're inviting you to taste and see how good their mandu is. Well, Psalm 34, verse 8, God is like, look, I'm way better than mandu. Uh, you get a taste of this. You're never going to go back. But a lot of people, they're scared. They're like, I don't know. I heard about all these martyr stories. And I don't know if I can surrender my life to you, God. My, my parents, they kind of, uh, they treated me like this and this. And I feel like you're like my parents. And God is like, I am not like your parents. I gave you your parents. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like your parents. Your parents are trying to be like me. But I'm not like your parents. And a lot of us, we associate what our experience was like with our earthly parents. Uh, and usually if it's negative, we put that on God. And God has to spend years telling us, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. That's, I'm not like that. And we have to like continually learn that before we begin to really trust Him. And we taste and see that He is good. Man, I wish that I could take all of you to Philadelphia and give you guys a cheesesteak. Man, if you ever taste and see how good a cheesesteak is, you will understand the longing of my heart that I have all year long. Um... Jesus, uh, he said uh, in Matthew chapter 7, Which of you, if, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Can I tell you all a, little, a few stories? Right? And some of you know these stories. Back in uh, 2005, 
Well, way back, way back, let's go back to like my college days. Back in the year 2000, uh, the Lord was leading me to wor- lead worship. I used to be a worship leader. All right? I'm no Jimi Hendrix. I'm no Audrey Ra. But I was still leading worship. All right? And uh, I was just leading worship. And a lot of times I had to borrow people's guitars because I didn't have my own guitar. And so my mentor, Brother Michael, at that time, he was like, he was like, brother, let's pray for a guitar. Let's ask Abba Daddy for a guitar. And we're like, all right, Brother Michael, let's do it. Let's do it. So one Sunday we prayed, Lord, we thank you that your word says, if we being wicked know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to us? We ask you, Father, in agreement for a guitar for Christian. We thank you for it in advance. Amen. We did that one Sunday. And the next week, we did it second time. All right. After we said amen, this visitor that came to church that day, he goes, Christian, do you need a guitar? And I'm like, well, yeah, we just pray for one. And he's like, um, you can have mine. There you go. I'm like, really? And Brother Michael's like, Hallelujah! Right? It was this Fender Red guitar, right? And, uh, and I played that thing to death. And I, I was leading worship with it all the time. It was acoustic electric, right? And, um, and then a few years later, I looked at that verse again. And I remember, because the, uh, the Fender guitar started to buzz a little bit. And I couldn't fix it. I don't know why. The pickup was kind of poor. So it was buzzing. And I was, and I was thinking, well, I'm going to ask God for another guitar. I don't have the money to buy one. Right? I'm going to ask God for another guitar. But while I'm asking, I'm going to ask for what I really want. Because last time I just asked for a guitar and got this dingy little Fender. But this time I'm going to ask for what I really want. And what I really want and what I've been eyeing for over the years is a Gibson songwriter. Right? Guitar costs about $2,500 to $3,000. If I'm going to ask, might as well just ask all the way. God, give me a Gibson songwriter. And I started asking God for that around 2005 and six. Started asking God for that. All right, a couple of months into me asking for this, I had to fly out to New York for a wedding. I was serving as the best man for my, my friend. And my friend, he was working in pharmacy, and uh, he had a he had a bunch of um, when I went over to help prepare for the wedding, he had a bunch of guitars, and they were all these nice, expensive tailors. But the thing is, I don't like Taylor guitars. They're, they're nice, but I just feel like it's a lot of hype behind it. I prefer Martin or, uh, or the Gibson songwriter that I was eyeing. Cause I just love uh, looking at a Gibson songwriter. And so I'm just playing with his guitar. I'm like, man, this is a nice guitar. He's like, yeah, yeah. I bought that one. And then uh, I bought that one a month later. And then I bought that one a week later. You know, he was, he was kind of like, you know, getting into buying guitars. And uh, I look in, under his bed, and there's another guitar there. I pull it out, and it's a Gibson songwriter. I never held one except at a guitar store. And I'm just playing. I'm like, man, this thing sounds so amazing. It's so warm. The, the tone feels great. Man, how much was this? And he's like, yeah, man, it was really expensive and all that stuff. And he's like telling me all this, this story. And then, and then we uh, head over to the wedding rehearsal. And in the elevator... My friend Sam turns to me and says, Hey, Chris, you want that Gibson guitar? And I was like, Oh, no, bro, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. 
uh, what if I buy it off of you? I'll give you like three hundred dollars. <laughs> I don't know. I named some stupid price, and he's like, uh, "That's all right, man." <laughs> well, why don't you just take it? I know you're doing ministry in Korea. Why don't you just, well, just just take it? And I'm like, "Nah, bro, I can't do that. I can't do that." Really? <laughs> My friend Sam's like, "Yeah." I'm like. Can we go back up the elevator and get it right now? <laughs> so we went back up the elevator, got the gifts and put it in the car. And we were, I was, I was, I was like, wow, hallelujah, praise the Lord God, you are indeed good. Man. Right? And so that was a guitar. Right? And then um, I've had um, an iBook, my, my laptop, an Apple iBook. I've had a... Apple PowerBook and then an Apple MacBook Pro, right? So always, it was always an upgrade. Boom, 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 right? And uh, each time I got these computers, I didn't pay a dollar. Each time I got these computers, I stood on the same verse I just shared with you, Matthew chapter 7. All right, and there's no method, method to, this, to this thing. It's simply my childlike heart and believing and standing on the Word. But, you know, like, like God really responds Right, so every laptop I'm, I'm I'm testifying right now. Every laptop I've ever gotten, all I did was simply I asked, and the most I ever waited was maybe like three months. And I had uh, my second laptop. I was like talking to a pastor friend, and then we're just getting lunch, and he's like, "Christian man, the Lord put it on my heart. I'm just so disturbed." I'm like, "Why? That you're using a iBook." Brother, you should be on a MacBook. You should be on a, at that time it was a PowerBook. You should be on a PowerBook, not an iBook. It's not on your level. Got to get a PowerBook. I'm like, all right. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to buy it for you. Can I buy it for you? Can I get a tax receipt, by the way? <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll look into the Canvas Crusade office. And uh, yeah, we got him a tax receipt. And he bought the computer for me. All right. Um, I mean, I can go on and on, right? Here's another story, right? Um, here's another story, right? Uh, this is the most recent one. Uh, back in, uh, when I became the lead pastor back in 2008, I was driving this dinghy 1993 Hyundai Sonata. Uh, got really bad gas mileage. Um, I shouldn't rag on it too much because me and I was driving it right now. <laughs> But I bought it for $800 from a Filipino dude working at the uh, Filipino, uh, Philippines Embassy. And uh, the car was nice, and Aaron and I really appreciated it. We drove it around uh, for a good, like, two, a little over two years. We were driving that thing around. And I remember I, in the beginning when I drove it around, I was so happy with that car and all this stuff, right? And, uh, but as we got married and as we uh, were moving on, right, I just felt like, I'm going to ask God, because I will, I will walk. A lot of times I didn't drive because gas is so high here. I will walk from Yangjie Station to Torch Trinity, where I was doing my seminary studies. And every time I would walk, there was this line of cars, these black cars. And they just looked so nice. I was like, wow, Hyundai is really making nice cars these days. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is a really nice car. And I remember the back of the car said, uh, Sonata N2O. And I was like, oh, that's a weird, you know, 
acronym, what does that stand for? N2O, H2O, I don't know, N2O, what is that? Right, and I just remember N2O and I remember the black car, right? And so what happened was, true story, Aaron and I had a trip to Kentucky and we went to Kentucky for Benny Hinn crusade. All right, don't judge me, all right? Uh, Benny Hinn is a man of God, all right? Uh, I'll stop there, okay? But Benny Hinn's got an anointing, all right? You can learn a lot from him as well. But we went just to, you know, uh, we were exploring and learning about the moves of God. And we, we, were, we knew that Benny Hinn had been doing this for a while. So we went to his crusade. It was free. And they let you in for free. But it's not really free. Because when you go, the Holy Spirit just moves on your heart to give really big offerings. <laughs> so man, it's like, it would be better if you paid. Then you can just be like, man, well, I paid a mission. I ain't giving another offering. All right, but since you came in for free, you're like, man, I came in for free. I should like give some kind of thank offering or something. They're paying all this money to host this thing, right? Anyway, at the Benny Hinn Crusade, right, they kept talking about this thing called a thousand dollar seed. I never heard about it before in my Presbyterian background. A thousand dollar seed, and then there was this guy. He was called a financial minister, and he would come up and he's like, I got the anointing to break poverty off people's lives. I'm the financial minister. I got an anointing for this and that, and I'm just like, whatever. Never heard of you before, right? But he would get these really clear words of knowledge, and he would call people out. He's like, your business is this and this, and you're you're having trouble this and that. And so people were like coming up with the words of knowledge because they were like so touched and they were crying and all stuff, and he'll pray for them and. And then, but before he prays for them, he'll be like, you need to sow a seed into the kingdom of God. And then he's going to release your breakthrough and all this stuff, right? <laughs> and so, so the first offering time, Aaron and I looked at each other. And we're like, yeah, let, you know, let's, let's go ahead and give an offering. You know, this is not to Benny Hinn. This is to God. And Benny Hinn Ministries is also doing some really good missions work. Let's just bless them. So we gave like $40. That was a lot of money, you know. It's not like we had like a whole bunch of money in our pocket. We, we didn't have no money. We just had like enough money to eat and go home. Right? Well, a second offering comes around and the Holy Spirit's just moving on our hearts. And so we look at each other. And I'm like, all right. I feel it too, honey. So I write down an amount and I show her. And I'm like, $200. We'll just go ahead and put it on my American Express and then pay it off later. <laughs> so honey, my, my wife's just like, okay. Because, you know, she's not, she has no idea how much money we had at that time. So she's like, all right, okay. So I'm like, oh, this hurts so much. <laughs> go up there, I'm crying, but it's not because the Holy Spirit's on me. It's like, <laughs> man, for one of the last offering times, the financial minister comes up and he said, there are exactly 201 of you and God is calling you to give a thousand dollar seed right now. And this is the level of blessing that you may not know about, but it, at the thousand dollar level, there comes breakthrough. And I'm like, whatever, I've never heard of this before. And he's like, this level is a level of faith. And if you will come out and you will give this offering, the Lord will break out on your life, all this stuff, right? And I'm like, totally resisting. And I look over at Erin, and she's doing the same thing. She's like, Urgh. And finally, we open our eyes, we make eye contact, and then we go. 
and I slowly take out my pen, right? And I write, and I put it on my American Express, which we paid off right away. But I wrote $1,000 on that offering. And I, I was coming up to the altar to give that. And we had never given on that level. We're not talking about tithes. We had already tithed. We're talking about the offering. We had never given at that level, right? So we put this, I go up there. I think I went with Aaron this time. And we're up there. And while we were up there, I remembered that I had been praying for a new car. We couldn't afford one. But since God had given me all these laptops and guitars and all these amazing things, I just, you know, I just have been asking for God for a new car. And so, but I hadn't been asking specifically, which told you that my level of faith wasn't really matching up to what I was asking for. And so when I was at the altar, I was reminded that I had been asking for a new car and that we would, we would like to drive a nicer car or a newer car because the, the, the old car had some trouble, especially when it would rain, it would fog up and almost get into accidents and stuff. Anyway, um, so while we're up there sowing our $1,000 offering, I prayed to the Lord, stood on Matthew 7 and said, Lord, we being wicked know how to give good gifts. How much more will you, our Father in heaven, give good gifts, give gifts, good gifts to those who ask? God, I love you. I praise you no matter what you do with this. But I ask you for a new car that we cannot afford. And we ask you specifically for the Hyundai Sonatas that I see on the way to Torch Seminary with the N2O in the back, black color, with a few little bit of tinted windows. <laughs> I, I, I kid you not, I, I include all them details. I said, Lord, and whether you give or not, I'm still praising you. I believe in your goodness. Here you go, Lord. Boom, just sow that seed. All right? So by the time we left Kentucky, all right, we had sown $2,000 in offering money total because we went to a small black church on Sunday and at the small black church they were doing an offering and they were just like so excited that two Korean Americans <laughs> walked off the street and joined them for service and uh, it was somebody that we bumped into at the crusade he invited us to come uh, Pastor Thomas Durden and uh, we, we ended up getting like a $500 offering there and so we gave like $2,000 for that week and it is, this is money that really you know it was a sacrifice we didn't have that kind of disposable income few days later we're in New York City about to board a plane to go back to Korea Aaron's mom hands us an envelope and it has exactly two thousand dollars in it she's like we just want you to have this I thought you guys had financial trouble she's like no just take it so we're like okay praise the Lord and then we come back to Korea and there's like a mysterious offering. Somebody like anonymously transferred over like, I don't know, like a few hundred dollars into our bank account. And then a um, few weeks after that, the head pastor says to the staff, have New Philly buy Pastor Christian a new car. So they come up to me and they're like, um, Deacon Jung, he comes up to me. He's a representative from the from the Korean ministry. He comes up to me and says, Moksanim, Pastor Hwang ordered us uh, using uh, your funds, using the New Philly funds, to buy you a new car. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, we don't have that kind of money. Well, we do, but we, no, I can't use it like that. 
no, that's not acceptable. He's like, no, you don't have a choice. Pastor Swan Huang says he doesn't want you getting killed in that old hoopty car. He wants to get a newer one. He's like, what about a used car? And he's like, uh, no, he's particularly said the church only buys new cars, especially for people who are leading the ministry like this. He wants you to get a new car. So uh, they chose a new car for me. And it was a, it was a, they were trying to get me a Kia, what was it? Karen's, yeah, Kia Karen's. It looks like a little bit like a um, station wagon, but hipper, right? Yeah, it, it's got a hatchback in the back. And uh, the thing was, uh, the week they told me about the model of the car and they're trying to get it for me, I saw a Kia Karen's parked in front of my old apartment building. And we have an automated garage that goes in. And then your car goes up and down and things like that, right? Well, the car was standing, was parked outside. And I asked the Kuali Ajishi, why is the car not parked inside? It's blocking the driveway. And the Kuali Ajishi said, well, this car doesn't fit into the garage. So I said, really? Well, I need to tell the Korean church about this. <laughs> so I go up to Samorim. Uh, and I'm like, Samorim, I know you guys really want me to get the Kia Karens and stuff like that, but... I just found out my garage doesn't accept that car. And she's like, really? Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, and so um, she's like, all right, well, I want you to still get it. And I'm like, Lord, I just pray that you would just change your mind. Right? And, you know, the whole time I, I was remembering the prayer I made at the Benihin Crusade, right? Well, a week later, Deacon John comes up and says, uh, Pastor Christian, why don't you just go ahead and pick whatever car that you would like. Well, how much was the Kia Karen's? Well, it was this and this much. So if you just stay within that budget. And so I said, all right. I don't know which car to get, but with a Hyundai Sonata N20 black color, how much would that cost? So he researches it and then they find a dealer in the church and he comes up with this big report and you know, he says, boom. And so, anyway, next thing I know, the guy drives over to my apartment and he delivers a brand new Hyundai Sonata N20 black, slightly tinted windows. And it's got Bluetooth in it, everything. Amazing. God knew that I was going to get an iPhone 4. Um, anyway, uh, when Aaron and I experienced that, you know, once again, we experienced how good God is. And when, he, when he's good to us like that, it's, he doesn't give it to you with a string attached and be like, I'll give you this guitar, but you better do this and that for me. Or you better be on your best behavior or something like that. God doesn't do that. God just loves to give. You know, when you give, a, if you had a baby and you gave a gift to your five-year-old, would you give a gift and be like, I'm giving you this toy, but you better eat less candy. Now, some parents do that. That's jacked up. <laughs> All right. When God gives, he loves to give just out of the overflow of his goodness. You know, um, Proverbs 18.22, this is for the fellows. It says, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Hallelujah. Guys that properly understand this, they know how to really love their wives. 
Why? Because it's not about how hard they pursue the girl. It's not about like how romantic they were that they ended up with this girl. They recognize that the only reason why they have this beautiful wife sitting next to them is because of God's goodness. Amen, John Michael? Well, they're not, they're not married. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm looking out. Chris, Chris. Amen, Chris. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Thank you for Oh, snap. Sorry, bro. <laughs> but uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. No, their relationship's going well. That's good. All right. That's it. Um, and I'll, I'll just close with this. Uh, when uh, Moses asked God uh, in the Old Testament, he asked God, show me your glory. It's interesting that what God did, God hid Moses in the cleft of a rock. And the Bible says that God passed by. Right, I read it, right? He says, Psalm, Exodus 33, verse 19. The Lord said, I will cause, after Moses said, well, show me your glory, God said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Isn't that amazing? We know we all the time we pray, Lord, show us your glory. Lord, show us your glory. Lord, show us your glory. And God says, you want to see my glory? Let me show you my glory. I'm going to cause my goodness. I'm just going to show you how good I am. And you will understand my glory. Brothers and sisters, God is so good. And He has an amazing plan for your life. And no matter what difficulty you're going through, if you will be unshaken from that place, and you govern your spirit, and you continue to affirm His goodness, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You will see God's goodness bestowed upon you before the eyes of men. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you so much, God, that you are a God abounding in goodness. And it says in your word in Psalm 23, verse 6, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. God, we don't have to go chasing after your goodness. For as we walk blameless before you, your goodness and love chases us. A lot of times Satan lies and he whispers to us and tells us, God's not good. God is tricking you. He's trapping you. He wants you to, he wants you, he wants to lead you down something you don't even want for yourself. And God, today we just break agreement with any of those lies, Lord. And we just affirm your goodness. Surely, goodness and love will follow each and every one of you in this house. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, establish your goodness in the hearts of all your children, Lord. So many of us, we ask in such a formulate way. God, if you give me this, Lord, I'll do this for you. Lord, I'll commit a year of my life to missions. Lord, I'll drink less alcohol. Lord, if I do, if you give me just this, 
And that's just not the way that you want us to come before you. I just pray that there will be a paradigm shift in our minds about your character. For God, you are good all the time and all the time. You are good. Just thank you, God, for your goodness. We praise you, Lord, and we give you thanks. For you are good. Amen. Amen.